0: Romans chapter 14,
1: Romans chapter 14, I'm going to read the
0: entire chapter, I trust you'll bear with me, my voice is a little raspy this morning, I'm not sure why, I feel fine, but it's just that way it is. Anyway, Romans 14, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike, that every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord." He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be both Lord of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know, and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus, there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but is evil to that for that man who eateth with offence. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith, have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that dieteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. The title of this message this morning is Giving Liberty to Differing Opinions. I'm going to use that word opinions on purpose, and you'll see why in a minute. So let's look at the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. I pray that you'd help us as looking into this passage of scripture to understand what the word of God is speaking to us about here today when we consider doubtful disputations. Help us not to lay aside or use the excuse to lay aside the doctrines that are clearly taught in the word of God, but to hold fast to those things that are clearly commanded By Father, we have grace for differing opinions. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage is used today as an occasion to dismiss historically held practices in New Testament churches. However, doubtful disputations does not refer to clearly defined principles or teachings of Scripture, but to differing opinions that are not defined in the word of God. I remember being at a Bible college years ago. And a guest speaker was speaking about women wearing earrings. And why women should be wear earrings. And he tried to make a case for it because it pictures a servant. You know, they would take a servant and they would drill. His, you know, if a servant wanted to be a servant for life, they'd take an awl and drill a hole through his ear and put a ring in it. Yeah, and... And the woman is to be a servant, you know, like a, you, Sarah, called Abraham Lord, you know, he was, she was his, she, was, she served him. You know, the whole thing wasn't clear. And in talking to the pastor afterward, he made a case why they shouldn't wear earrings. And that was just as clear. Point is, neither one were clear. Yeah. Um. Because there's really not a command in Scripture or a command not in Scripture about women wearing earrings. See, it was an opinion. And that's what a doubtful disputation is. That's what it is. It's an opinion. Uh, but, of course, this, is, this, this passage is used today for the toleration movement. Uh, Kent Brandenburg, in an article about this, said this. A more recent development with Romans 14 that goes along with the toleration movement is expanding greatly what is doubtful. More is questionable than ever. Less is sure. Now, there are too many doubtful disputations. Doubtful where there is no doubt. Doubtful disputations, quote-unquote, have become a convenient way to do what you want without being challenged. Drinking alcohol, modesty dancing, mixed swimming, pants on women, preservation of scripture, corrupt language, tattoos, music, male headship, have moved into the doubtful column, into the liberty category. They weren't there before. Now they are. Most evangelicals and many fundamentalists would say that these issues shouldn't divide believers or churches because of Romans 14. The new dispute, or what's disputable, relates a lot to the new doubts about man's ability to know the truth. Modern society would insist that we can't be so sure about a lot of what we have been sure about in the past. One thing, many, one thing that many think we can be sure about is that we shouldn't be dogmatic about what the truth is. We can be sure that we shouldn't be sure. <laughs> That's the part of the attack on truth in general in our culture. And within the realm of this demolish, demotion of truth comes a wilting ability apply scripture. The Bible doesn't prohibit prohibits certain practices. Uh, it never mentions hip-hop. It's silence on the prom, you know, and so on and so forth. This is where Romans 14 comes in. Since God's word doesn't prohibit any of these things, then we can't reject people who participate in them. Of course, it doesn't deny crack cocaine either. But this may be the biggest challenge, biggest change I see in churches today, especially in the name of church growth. Many practices called unscriptural before have been slid over to the questionable or liberty column. Young people don't want to be judged on these things and church leaders don't want to hear anything about their allowing them. So, you know, our culture has, you know, the, the the Christendom has moved a lot of things that were held as truth before into this doubtful disputations. Well, you... you I had people say, preachers say to me, well, you can't be too dogmatic about that. I said, well... I think it's pretty clear in Deuteronomy 22, five. I think it's pretty clear when the Lord said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, and my words shall not pass away. Yeah. You know, how can you how can you say we should not be so sure about that? I mean, it seems to me God's pretty sure about that. <laughs> you know. Now, we're not talking about those things. We're not talking about doctrines. But as we think about these doubtful disputations or have giving liberty to differing opinions, I, I, I want to give you three things that, that we ought to, uh, to govern those things. First of all, we are to have a, a spirit of grace for differing opinions. And let me explain that a little further. Again, we're not talking about Bible doctrines. The Bible is very clear that we need to hold to Bible doctrines and we need to command Bible doctrines. And we're not to. Uh, it's it's not just an opinion. In First Timothy one and verse three, uh, yeah, First Timothy one verse three, Paul wrote. Young Timothy says, "And I besought thee to still abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mayest charge some that they teach no other doctrine." So he was to charge some of them who were starting to teach spurious doctrines, not to teach any other doctrine. give them a charge. In verse 10, For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Uh, In chapter 4, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6, again, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto... Thou hast attained. You know, if you can attain doctrine, you have to know what it is. So it's not something that's doubtful, or there's differing opinions on. Verse 13. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by the prophecy, by the laying of the hands of... I'm sorry. Till I come... Verse 13. Chapter four, thirteen. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And again, verse 16... Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save both both save thyself and them that hear thee. (coughs) And then Titus, the word doctrine is used many times in the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 1 verse 9, he says, Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. And in chapter two, verse one, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, uh, verse ten, not forlorning but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, and that, the word "adorn means to put like put it on as a decor as a as an ornament, and and so they're to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things and, and Paul was very strong in Romans sixteen verses seventeen and eighteen where he said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and a conscience contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So he says, you're to mark those that teach or, or cause divisions by teaching uh, false doctrines, and you're to avoid them. So there's not a spirit of grace For differing doctrines. But there is to be a spirit of grace for differing opinions. Now, what really is doubtful disputations? Well, let's define the words. The word doubtful means a thought. A word. In word reasoning. And the word disputation means a distinguishing. Or really what it is, a judgment of opinions as to which one is preferred to be more correct. And the passage itself really gives us, it gives us two examples of what was differing opinions or doubtful disputations in that day. And so we're talking about, again, opinions. An opinion is a belief or judgment that that rests on grounds insufficient to provide complete certainty. Now, I believe we can be certain about the preservation of Scripture. And I don't have any doubt about the fact that we shouldn't drink alcohol. Because the Bible condemns it very clearly. About, you know, about standards and so on and so forth. You know, those things are not doubtful. We can come to certainty on those things. So we're talking here about a personal view, an attitude, or appraisal. So doubtful things are, as one preacher called, essential liberties or non-biblical issues. And, and he gives us two here in this passage. And, and you know, one of them was whether you eat meat or whether you don't eat meat. Now, is being vegetarian a sin? No. No. Is eating meat a sin? No. It's not. But, you know, there are some people that don't eat meat. Now, back in the, now, really, what it's referring to in this passage is you remember in Bible times a lot of the a lot of the animals were sacrificed at the temples to idols, and then they would kill that animal and sell the meat in what was called they called the shambles, which would be we would call it today an open market, and so so there were people that would Christians that would go to the open market and, and they would buy this meat. Maybe knowing or maybe not knowing that it was offered to an idol first. And there were some that said, you shouldn't eat that meat because it's been offered to an idol. What did Paul say in Corinthians? What is an idol? It's really nothing. There is really only one God. You know, an idol is really just a piece of stone or an imagination of somebody's mind. It's not really anything. But he said, you know, if, if one man's conscience causes him to stumble by eating it, then, he, then don't eat it. It wasn't a sin to eat it or not to eat it. It was an opinion. And, and so we should not reject other believers in the church if they differ in things that are non-scriptural. Again, we're not talking about clear, understandable teachings of the Bible that have been taught down through the years that all of a sudden are not culturally acceptable so they're dismissed as Romans 14 issues. You know, you know, for years independent baptists taught, you know, that that it was we shouldn't drink alcohol, that the scriptures are preserved by God, that you know there are standards of dress taught in the Bible. You know, the, all these things have been taught for centuries. Against dancing, even the Waldensians had, a, had, a, had a, a statement against dancing because it arouses the passions of man. It weakens your, def, your defenses and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and so, you know, th- these things have been held for years and all of a sudden people were saying, oh, they're just doubtful disputations. They were just weaker brothers. Really? You see, these were simply things that were opinions. So, you know, he talks about, again, eating of meat that was off idols, or observing certain days. Now, probably the observing days, we don't know for sure, but most likely there were some Jewish believers that still observed some, some, some of the fast days that they observed before under Judaism. It's like, so... And some thought maybe you, know, you really should do this. And others said, why? And Paul's saying, you don't judge one another for these things. They're not clearly defined in the scriptures. You know, one, may re, one, one, one man may regard one day above another day, and another man will regard every day alike. You know, one man say, well, there's one day that's special to me, and I, and I set it aside to, to for the Lord, maybe to fast or something. And another brother says, but to me, every day is the Lord's. Every day is the Lord's. And every day is as important as the other one. And of course... You know, Paul addressed this when he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, particularly the meats, and he said an idol is nothing. So eating meat that was offered an idol is not a sin, because an idol isn't anything. But he said, if it offends your weak brother, give him grace. Give him grace. You know, today, you know, we don't, I don't think we have a problem with whether to eat meat or whether not to eat meat. I don't think that's an issue. In our churches, you know most of us are for are, are for pita, you know you know, eating tasty animals, I forget what the first one is, but anyway yeah, uh you know uh but some of the issues that would, would that may come up, what kind of entertainment do you watch you know some some like to watch football sports. You know, some like professional sports. Me, I care less. I care less. You know, they're all a bunch of hoodlums as far as I'm concerned. But some people really like it. Is it a sin? No. Unless you sit out of church to do it. Or some way it hinders your relationship with the Lord. Hey, Bob Mitchell likes loves football. He's just a bad guy, I know. <laughs> yeah, who cares, you know? Um, you know? What kind of entertainment? As long as it's not oral, immoral or demonic, as some entertainment is. And so we have to give liberty here. We have to give grace for differing opinions. So we, have, we ought to have a spirit of grace for differing opinions. I want you to notice the second thing here is his, he, he reminds us that we are to live for our Lord. Notice in verses 7 through 12, he says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, both Christ died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. So, we belong to the Lord. None no of us lives to himself or dies to himself. You know, and we can make an application here also, but he's talking about it in our relationship with the Lord. We can make an application here also that, that our lives do affect others. And so in light of that, we are to live for the Lord because we do belong to him. You know, this, this letter is written to God's people, not to the lost. written to the churches at Rome. And so he says, whether we live, we live under the Lord. Whether we die, we die under the Lord. And whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So whether you're living or whether you're dead as a child of God, you still are the Lord's. Your 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost within you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You know Paul in, in the book of Acts in verses, in chapter 20 and verse 24 he said none of these things move me neither count I my life dear under myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And then in chapter 121 verse 13 he says then Paul answered what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart for I am ready to be bound not be bound only but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus so he said whether I'm living or dying I am for the Lord's and I ought to live for the Lord or I ought to die for the Lord and if I die I'm going to still be the Lord's and so we ought to live to please the Lord whether we're living by the way we're going to do that after we're dead we go to be the Lord. We're going to live to please Him, and so our focus should be to living, be living for the Lord. After all, we will be judged by the Lord. We're not going to be judged. I'm not going to be judged by Brother Hoyle or Brother Welch about these things. Now. If somebody, or if I start teaching spurious doctrine, you have a right to judge me. But you have no right to judge me that I might watch the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl with my family. Even if you don't like the Patriots, they have a good name. Not sure about anything else, but they have a good name. But see, we we will be judged by... All of us are going to be judged by the Lord. And these opinions that we hold will be judged by the Lord. And we need to let these opinions that we have, that are not clearly defined in the Scripture, be judged by the Lord. And we need to remind ourselves that, you know, we need to think about, as we study the Scriptures and try to come to right conclusions about our opinions, that they are going to be judged by the Lord. You know, this is talking here, in, in verses 10 through 12, what we're, what we're talking about is that what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Notice in verse 10. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess that to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we will be judged. You know, every child of God will be judged by the Lord. We're going to be judged by the Lord for our service and as to whether our opinions are true or not. And our opinions, you know, we're going to, we're going to bow before Him. And we're going to submit to Him. We're going to submit our opinions to Him. You know, I don't think there's probably anyone I don't know how it's possible. That can be 100% in agreement with everyone. I resent preachers getting up and saying, are you 100% for your pastor? I resent it. because I agree with what one evangelist said. I'm not 100% 100 for me. How can I be 100% for somebody else? You know, and, and I don't think any of us are 100% for the Lord. We don't have every little dot and tittle figured out. But that day, we are going to agree with him on everything. We will submit to him in everything. So we are going to be judged for the Lord, and we're going to bow to him and agree with him. And though we have some liberty in some of these things, we must remember the Lord will judge. And we need to consider what we are uh, participating or what we do with the actions. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and and, uh, look at this a little bit. And I looked at this a little bit last week (coughs) where Paul gives instruction concerning the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. Of course, other foundation can no man lay that is laid Jesus Christ, which is Jesus Christ. Our salvation is Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. And so you know, Paul's writing this, to, uh, giving this instruction, particularly to the to the Corinthians and to us. And he and he's saying here, you know, your divisions, your worldly wisdom, you know, all these things, your high sounding words. You know, if you chapter four verse eighteen, he says, some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you. Uh, you know, he, he, he talked about it in chapter 1. They were, they were, some of them were, were claiming you know, to be wise and so on and so forth. And he said, all these things are going to be tried of what sort they are. And the word sort means quality. Not size. Sort. Quality. Or, or manner it is. You know, it, so the question we need to ask ourselves, is our works done under the direction or the leading of the Spirit of God, or is it in the flesh? Are our opinions fleshly-blazed? You know, these are the things we have to ask ourselves. So we are to judge ourselves in these things and not judge one another as to these opinions. So we have to remember, you know, we are, and and, you know, and one of the things he mentions here in this, in verse four of Romans 14, who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? You know, if, if, uh, if uh, you have a business and you have employees, you don't have somebody other, some other employer telling your employees what to do. I mean, let's say you buy all your materials from Lowe's and another employer comes and tells your employees you need to buy it at Home Depot. You know, neither one's right or wrong. I just happen to like Lowe's better than Home Depot. And at this point, I'm not even sure why. (laughs) Maybe it's because I'm more familiar with the store. But anyway, uh, you know, But you wouldn't have another employer telling your employees, your servants, how to conduct themselves or where to buy their materials. And that's what he's saying here. These are things that don't matter, so we're not to judge one another in these things. And so so we're to have grace to differing opinions. We are to live for the Lord. And then thirdly, we must not be a stumbling block to other brethren we are not to be a stumbling block to other brethren. Look at verse 13, chapter 14, verse 13 of Romans again. It says, Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. You know, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of, spoken of. So we are not to be a stumbling block to other brethren. So we have to be careful of our conduct and our attitudes so as not to be a stumbling block or an occasion to fall to other people. You know, some people have differing beliefs and you know, things that they do. For example... Some people have different, different opinions about Christmas and what they do and different things they do at Christmas. That's fine. However, when those beliefs about something like that take precedence over clear commands of Scripture... such as faithfulness to the assembly. Then you are putting a stumbling block in front of another Christian. You're putting an occasion to fall in front of another Christian. And then it becomes a cause of division in the body of Christ. And that's what he's warning against here. Again, so, so, you know, think about some of these things. Drinking alcohol, does the Bible say anything about that? Well, Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is to see thereby is not wise. Proverbs 23, 31 and 32. Look not thou upon the wine which is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. You know, if we're not to look upon it, should we drink it? It moves itself away. It's obvious it's talking about an alcoholic beverage. You know, does... And we can ask ourselves these questions. Does drinking affect others? Is it a stumbling block? What about areas of dress? A way a person dressed. Can that be a stumbling block to somebody else? Absolutely it can. And there are, again... Clear commands of scripture. What about dancing? You know, the rouses the passions by touching. Weakens one's defenses. Clouds judgment. Again, it can be a stumbling block. Does watching a football game... Is that a stumbling block? Well, I don't know. I don't even know who... You know, I suppose most of you... Probably, probably most of you, the majority of you, uh, maybe, watch the rest of the Super Bowl after... Church was over that night. But you know, is that going to be a stumbling block? Uh, only the way to be a stumbling block is, again, if you skip the assembly. So that's a non issue. Here, here's one that was, was several years ago to vote for Donald Trump as president. That was a pretty big issue during the election. You know, there are a lot of things about Donald Trump I didn't like. I still don't like. But we weren't voting for a pastor. You know, But there are some who to this day would not vote for him. Okay, that's fine. That's a non-biblical issue. Well, women wearing jewelry or makeup. will that cause a stumbling block? Well, I guess it could. You know, if that is where your attraction is or is a dominant feature, or you look like somebody just came out of, you know, um, a paint shed or something, maybe, you know. (laughs) What about having wealth? Or not having wealth you see it was made an issue at Corinth it was made an issue at Corinth because there were some that judged others because they did not have and it caused a schism in the church at Corinth it is not an issue that should cause division in the church it's not evil to have wealth the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. In look at 1 Corinthians 11, <clears throat> verse 18. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18 says, For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are proved may be made manifest among you. When when ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God in shame? Notice, shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So there were wealthy people in the church of Corinth, and there were poor people in the church of Corinth, and the wealthy people were bringing in lots of food. They, you know, they had what we believe they, were called, they called them love feasts, which we call fellowship times. And they didn't do it like we do. We put it on a table, and everybody takes equally. They didn't do that. They would each bring in their own food and eat their own food. And there were some poor people who didn't have much who were didn't have food to eat and the wealthy were shaming the poor. And it was causing a schism in the body. You see, these things, you know, they ought not... We're not to judge each other, but we're not to be a stumbling... Allow them to be a stumbling block to others. Let me give you another another illustration. I was talking to a pastor in Maine. He had pastored a church before. And he said... And he finally left it. He said, because one man kind of ran it. And he was a millionaire. He said, any time... We wanted to do something. He'd just say, Oh, I'll pay for it. And he said, Everyone else felt like, you know what? They didn't feel like they were participating or really had any say. You, know, you could really question that guy's motives. Because he didn't allow the others to have part in giving for the cause of Christ. You see, we are to allow for differing opinions about non-doctrinal issues and not have a judgmental attitude or an attitude of superiority. Again, the ones at Corinth had an attitude of spirit. There were some who had prided them, themselves in their worldly wisdom. There were educated people there. Paul said your wisdom is foolishness with God. You know, that attitude is Corinthian. It's Corinthian. But we are to beware that we do not cause someone to stumble or defile their conscience and fall into sin. So we must keep in mind that our conduct, again, Will be judged by the Lord. And we don't live under ourselves. We do affect others. And so we need to be considerate of others and their opinions. So we are to give liberty to things that aren't clearly taught in the scriptures. But the things that are taught, we are to hold fast to and not let them slip. You know, we must guard the church. And so might God give us grace for those things which are not clearly defined. But might God help us to remind ourselves that we must or we will one day stand before the Lord and give an account. And we are to live for him.